0: Bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik. This is Tax Credit Tuesday. This is the Tuesday, June 1st, 2021 podcast. Building and renovating affordable rental housing is a challenging task on many fronts, not the least of which is raising sufficient financing to cover project development costs. Last week, I had the honor and privilege of testifying in front of Congress as to how the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit is the foundational equity financing tool for affordable rental housing in America today. I explained how the housing credit is a public-private partnership whereby investors provide upfront equity financing to develop and preserve affordable rental housing and they receive, in exchange, allocations of tax losses and tax credits. I explained how over the last 40 years, there has been strong investor interest in housing credits. This strong interest leads to higher equity pricing. Now, with that as background, today's podcast is gonna focus is going to really move from the halls of congress the details of a housing credit developer's financial projection and negotiations with equity investors we're going to discuss ways in which developers can increase the tax credit equity they receive from their investors and today's podcast does coincide with the topic of my column in the june issue of the Novogratz journal of tax credits in that column i discuss the ways that housing credit developers can increase the amount of equity they receive from their investors. I will, by the way, tweet out a link to the column and I'll also share the link to the column in today's show notes. Now to discuss this topic, I have as my guest today, Jeff Nishida. Jeff's a partner in our San Francisco office and he routinely works with clients who come to him for a variety of services, including insight on how to maximize tax credit equity. Jeff was the co-founder of the local housing tax credit working group and chairs two of our affordable housing conferences, including the Novigradic 2021 affordable housing virtual conference held last April. Jeff is also a key member of our Opportunity Zones practice and the partner in charge of our long income Tax Credit financial forecast model. Today, he'll share his expertise on maximizing long income Housing Tax Credit equity. Now, there are four major areas that we're gonna to discuss today. And these are the four major areas discussed in my Journal of Tax Credits column in terms of how to increase equity. First, Jeff and I are going to talk about how to increase and accelerate tax credits. Foundationally, the importance of getting as much tax credit as you can and as early as possible, because more credits and earlier credits mean higher equity pricing. Then we're going to talk about how to increase and accelerate losses. More losses earlier generally leads to higher equity pricing. After that, we're going to focus on how to identify investor goals, consider how your development can help investors achieve those goals. And then we'll wrap up by discussing the importance of correctly timing the arrival of equity and that's a lot to talk about so if you're ready let's get started jeff first of all thanks for joining me today thanks mike thanks for having me and before we get into the details the four major areas i wanted to start with a broad question And we're going to talk about ways for a developer to increase the tax rate equity that they receive but if i'm a developer listening right now to this podcast my first question might be how much more pricing can I get? And is it really worth it for me to keep listening to this podcast? So Jeff, how much more equity might they receive?
0: You know, so lately we've been seeing credit pricing has been between say the low 80s or 80 cents that is to the high 90s. So that kind of tells you the range can be up to almost 20 cents or say even another 20, 25% more equity depending on your project. So the topic's I think that we're going to talk about today are the various factors that help contribute to that range.
1: Great. Thank you for that. And once again, before we get to the four major areas, if I'm a developer and I walk into your office today and I've been vaccinated, you've been vaccinated and we're wearing masks, and I was to ask you, what should I do before I begin negotiations with an equity investor?
0: What's some of the key advice you'd give me? Sure. You know, the most obvious answer is for developers to run their own forecast. And I don't mean the typical, say, two year construction forecasts that many of, uh, developers usually have. What I mean is like a full forecast with taxable losses, partner capital accounts, min gain calculations, and the investor return, because who wants to go to the negotiation table, not knowing what value they have and they're bringing to that table. And I've had clients who didn't realize they agreed to things in forecasts, uh, because nowadays forecasts are actually attached to your partnership agreements.
1: Now that's really helpful, education, 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 kind of know as much as you can about your development in advance. That makes uh, infinite sense. So now let's uh, begin our dive into the four major areas, with the first major area being the most significant, and that's increasing and accelerating tax credits. These are tax rate developments. So clearly increasing the amount of tax credits means you'll get more equity. And when you bring them in earlier, then they have a greater present value benefit to investors, so they're generally more valuable. But well, that's that's really sort of two major areas, increasing and accelerating. So let's start with increasing. If you could share uh, with the audience some of the ways that you suggest developer increase the amount of tax credits they'd otherwise be eligible for.
0: Sure. I think you know, the main thing that they say in real estate is location, location, location. So you know we talk about DDAs and QCTs. And to the extent that you haven't really found a property yet, finding a location in a DDA or QCT is one of the... I don't know if you'd say easiest, but one of the easiest and perhaps largest way to increase your eligible basis by up to 30%. Some of my clients didn't know that it's actually up to and not an automatic 30%. Developers can go to our website for a mapping tool to see where DDAs or QCTs are located. And I think also that some developers don't know that for 9% projects, states can provide a basis boost, even if you're not in a DDA or QCT. But, you know, that probably isn't the norm. Also, a developer should probably focus on maximizing their depreciable basis because that is essentially eligible basis, except for certain things like commercial depreciable basis. But in doing so, you know, they should focus on things like the capitalization of various soft costs, such as interest, taxes and insurance, and even loan fee amortization. Something else they should consider, like for ACK they should be paying attention to how much of the acquisition price goes towards land, building, site improvements, and furniture and fixtures. They should probably get an appraisal that breaks each of these different sections out. Uh, oftentimes, developers don't ask for a breakout of site improvements and FF&E, but those assets can be depreciated much faster or you can take bonus depreciation. I've had a situation where a developer was told even dedicated improvements didn't belong in depreciable basis. But there was a private letter ruling that actually talked about it. It was probably maybe more than 10 years ago that said under certain circumstances, it can be included in depreciable and eligible basis. And I remember working with a client who was short on eligible basis on an ACK rehab project. And I noticed that they had hundreds of thousands in repairs and maintenance which didn't make a lot of sense since they were actually going through a rehab. So they went and took a look at those invoices and ended up capitalizing over $100,000 more. So something to think about and you know, really analyze what you're calling depreciable basis. Yeah, let me just uh,
1: interject there quickly, because that uh, is a great point about repairs and maintenance. And there even means when you're buying a property and you're you have to allocate a certain purchase price to land and building. And you can even step into the shoes with certain repair expenses uh, or repair costs of the seller such that when you're doing your calculations, more of the basis would be eligible for a higher 9% credit versus a lower uh, 4% acquisition credit, depending upon the type of financing you're using. Um, But it also kind of also is the broader point of you're giving a few highlights here of some of the steps, but obviously the podcast isn't long enough for you to cover all of the various steps. Uh, that can be taken and reviews needed in order to ensure that you're maximizing the depreciable the basis, which include which means maximizing depreciable basis, at least in part.
0: Definitely. We definitely don't have enough time to go into everything. And you know, we also have a lot of different other tax credits that a developer could look at, such as the 45L credit, state credits, historic and renewable energy tax credits. And these can definitely fill the gaps, but you know, something to also think about is that they could definitely add a layer of complexity, and I think investors right now kind of like plain vanilla type of projects. So, the various credits that we do, I uh, just did mention. I think state light tech are probably the safest.
1: I definitely agree with that, Jeff. It's important to you know be looking at you know what you can do to make the development as simple as possible for investors. Nothing simple, but simpler sort of better. You know, that being said, uh, you know investors might prefer simpler but at the end of the day developers obviously need to get their uh, developments to be financially feasible and state light tech is a state long as the task process is a great means of doing that the 45 capel is an energy efficiency credit and most new construction or renovation development should be able to qualify for the 45 capel credit and it is two thousand dollars a unit it expires at the end of this year but developers can be putting them in the model knowing that there's going to be an adjuster if the provision gets extended. So it's something you don't want to lose sight of. Uh, and then historic credits and then also, you know, solar investment tax credits and the rest. If uh, you need it for the project to be financially feasible, go get it. And then there'll be an investor for you. But let's also turn to accelerating the credits. So we've talked about some of uh, just a subset of all the means. And I'd encourage those listening to you know think about having Jeff review your financial models, or creating one if you don't have one already. So he can go in and look at your basis to make sure you are maximizing your eligible basis. And then the next step, of course, would be: okay, I've maximized an eligible basis. What steps do I take to accelerate at those tax credits? Because if I accelerate the credits, in most cases investors are going to be willing to pay more for them because they're getting them earlier during the uh, financial life cycle of the development.
0: Sure. So. One of the most important things in the first year is to ensure that your buildings are fully leased up by the end of the year. And so developers should definitely keep a good eye on this, and to the extent they need to, they might even want to offer rental concessions, say, to lease up the final few units before December 31st. I think also to the extent that you're having issues qualifying all of your buildings by the end of the year, and you might not make it, you should focus on qualifying a portion of your buildings. I had a client who initially thought they understood how to qualify units on an rehab, even though we told them to lease up one building at a time to the extent possible so that they would ensure that they qualify as many buildings as possible by the end of the year. Luckily, the limited partner stepped in and recommended that we take a look And at the time, they had less than half of the units uh, in every building leased up. So we had to work with them. We were able to help them focus on fully leasing up about three quarters of the buildings rather than none of the buildings in the last couple of months of the year, which would have been disastrous leading to large credit adjusters. Something else I
1: want to mention. Actually, before you jump into something else, Jeff, i was just going to share, you're sort of discussing it. You know, the concept of a developer that's already negotiated their equity pricing and have a model in place and expectations in place, mm-hmm. and they're struggling to achieve them. When they first come into your office to, when you're running the financial model, I presume the real focus here is on what assumptions you make during that lease up phase and the assumptions a developer makes in that lease up phase can have a dramatic impact on the amount of the Equity and investors willing to commit to. Obviously, developers can't be too aggressive. <laughs> Maybe you could share as you're, you know, working with a developer and you're working on that lease up schedule, and you're doing it on a per building basis. You know, how you're advising the developer in terms of how aggressive to be with their estimates of the lease up rate.
0: It's definitely important to understand your adjusters as well. And, you know, maybe you don't have that yet, but some adjusters do have a, what I would call a de minimis factor in it, saying that to the extent you're off a little bit, $10,000 or something, it's okay. And there won't be an adjuster. So being aggressive isn't necessarily a super bad thing as long as we're not too aggressive. You definitely also want to make sure that you get some sort of market study, something that will kind of help show you what the market's looking like. Maybe you can understand what other projects in your area uh, are facing or what kind of vacancy they have or kind of wait lists hopefully they have. So when you know we're working with clients, you know, I definitely lean, you know, more to the aggressive side, but you know, they have to understand that if we get too aggressive, that could lead to downward adjusters that's great
1: advice and you know downward adjusters as you point out you know isn't the uh, end of the world and you do you don't want to have so much cushion that you end up leaving you know equity on the table you're trying to find the right balance so the best advice really you can give is put forth your best estimate maybe be a little bit optimistic and then make sure that you're managing accordingly so that covers increasing and accelerating tax credits there's a lot more we could say about both of those but we only have limited time here. I do encourage you to read the article and reach out to Jeff uh, for a review of your particular project or another professional at Novogratik. Now I wanted to talk about increasing and accelerating losses. So Jeff, if you could share with developers some of the ways to uh, maximize equity through increasing and accelerating
0: losses. Sure. One thought is to take a look at a cost segregation study. And I believe you've had a podcast previously on that, but a developer can look at a cost segregation study to help classify assets into categories that are typically depreciated faster or subject to bonus depreciation and can be depreciated uh, all in the first year, thus accelerating losses. Something else they should remember is that bonus depreciation can be elected on acquired site and FFME where that wasn't available a while back. With this said, I think a developer should also perform an IRC Section 704b analysis to make sure that the limit partner will receive all of their depreciation losses and thus tax credits during the tax credit period. Because as you accelerate, say, a site improvement depreciation, that's front loading a lot more depreciation during the tax credit period. From my experience, developers often focus, you know, again, their forecasts on the construction period and don't often look at that. in, adi- in addition, to the extent they have to worry about as it taxes, you might care that a limited partner's capital count is projected to go negative. Something else uh, that they need to think about is uh, IRC Section 163J. Uh, this is the election that allows a partnership to take its interest expense deductions. But in exchange, they have to depreciate their buildings over 30 years instead of 27 and a half. I think a lot of new projects will probably be making this election on day one because of the upcoming changes to the calculation. But it's important to understand that you will be using 30 years instead of 27 and a half. Great.
1: Thank you for that, Jeff. Now let's move beyond increasing accelerating tax credits and increasing accelerating tax losses. You know, investors are obviously interested in economics of a transaction based upon the credit and the losses, but that's not the only thing that interests them. Investors have other non-financial goals. And one way you can maximize your equity for a given transaction is to identify the goals of investors and then see how you or your development can help them achieve those goals. So if you could maybe explore, share with us some
0: of the ways that you see that developers can do this. Sure. So one thing is to recognize that some of the banks or many of the banks are motivated by CRA or the Community Reinvestment Act, which essentially says that a bank needs to invest its money where it takes its deposits in. And this is often larger cities, um, sometimes the coasts. And because a project is in a CRA needed area, they will often receive a higher price. But you know, things are starting to happen with CRA or change. And our litech Working Group is keeping up with uh, all the proposals on all the changes. Also, the development team is really important to investors. A strong developer with a strong track record and a balance sheet is important. So new, new developers will often have to consider teaming up with a strong development partner. Some of the nonprofits on my panel during our affordable housing virtual conference last April, even volunteered to partner with new developers. So you might want to check that panel out. And we all know that partnering with nonprofits or housing authorities can help with property tax abatements depending on your state. Market studies uh, are probably also something else that's very important in identifying areas where there is an identified bull need for affordable housing. Some do not know that we here at Novograt actually have a valuation department uh, who can assist with this. Also, we have rent and income limit estimator as a tool that can help projects uh, figure out rent and income limits for your potential project. Everyone or many people know about our rent and income calculator, but we also have this estimator that can project uh, income and rent limits out into the future. And then, of course, having a good story about your project and its goals uh, helps attract uh, investors. And so making sure that you put together your story and why your area needs the affordable housing and any other goals that you're trying to achieve is a great way to start that conversation with your syndicator or investor.
1: So now we've talked about maximizing tax credits and losses. We've identified investor goals. Trying to identify them and try to help them reach their goals there's still one other area that developers can maximize the benefit of the tax allocation and that's the correct timing of the capital contributions so jeff what should developers consider from the area of timing to maximize their the value of their tax
0: credits sure so delayed equity contributions and um, does mean more equity because of the time value of money you know, as they say a dollar a day is worth you know, more than a dollar tomorrow. So one way to do this is to slow down the amount of equity your project needs in the beginning of construction. Some of my clients are doing this by bridging it with their own funds. You know, I don't think a limited partner can put zero in at the beginning, uh, as a lender will usually want to see some participation by the investor, but the amount can be lowered and the second contribution can definitely be pushed back. And for now, you know, short-term financing can be at a low interest rate, and some syndicators or investors are actually also providing bridge loans.
1: Great, thank you for that. Because it, it really is about alternative cost of funds and tax credit equity on an after-tax cost basis is more expensive than a lot of the uh, debt financing. So if, if short-term bridge financing and debt financing is available at a lower after-tax rate, that just makes tremendous sense as a way of generating a little bit more net value during that development phase. So I appreciate your time chatting with me today, Jeff, uh, on these various issues. Hopefully our developers, clients have found it useful, as well as our investor clients uh, and syndicator listeners, even if it's just a refresher. But before we wrap up, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share anything else you think our listeners should know.
0: Many of our clients don't know that we're happy to help with their forecasting, taking a look at their forecasts, even taking a look at their applications or putting together applications. So just be sure to reach out. We do have our update for 2021 of our Life Tech handbook coming out, I believe, in late June. And our rent and income limit calculator has been updated for the new rent limits. But again, maybe more importantly to today's listeners is the information in our estimator, which can be found on our website as well.
1: Yeah, I'd like to emphasize the estimator tool because it is very useful in terms of trying to estimate the income, the rents, and income qualifying levels for tenants over the next couple of years. And with the dynamism and the disparate impact that COVID has had, estimating rent and income in the future is going to be ever more important on a per project, per area basis. And we did do a prior podcast on that in September. We expect to get an initial release from HUD, which will really give us the first vantage point in terms of the impact COVID could be having on future rent growth and income qualifying levels for developments throughout the country. So more on that later. So, Jeff, I'm sure that some listeners are going to want to reach out to you. So if you could share your email address so they could take it down and then they can email you, I'd appreciate it.
0: Sure. Thanks, Mike. My email address is jeff.nashita at novoco.com. That's J E F F dot N as in Nancy, I S H I T as in Tom, A at N O V O C O dot com. Thanks, Jeff.
1: I'll also share Jeff's email address in the
0: show notes for all our
1: listeners. I'll also include in the show notes a link to the written income limit calculator and to the estimator. Our show notes are available at www.novocode.com podcast. Now, be sure to tune in into next week's episode when I'll be talking with my partner, Michael Kressig about state historic tax credits. Michael will share information about a number of new developments in 2021 concerning those credits. And we'll talk about how those state incentives can help make your historic tax credit financially viable. We'll also share best practices to maximize the benefit for your property. If you're active in the historic tax credit space or really any community development, you'll want to listen. And you can make sure you're notified as soon as that episode and future episodes are available by following or subscribing to the Tax credit Tuesday podcast. You can go to www.novaco.com slash podcast to subscribe, as well as to stream the show on our website. You can also follow or subscribe to Tax credit Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Radio Public. That's it for now, I'm Michael Novogratic, thanks for listening.
0: This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratic & Company LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast, or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast.